This is Whitley Strieber, and this is Dreamland. You've reached the edge of the world. Today on Dreamland, we have a new guest, someone who has never been on the show before and who is coming to the show for a lot of fascinating reasons. Uh, and I'm going to let her tell you about that. Her name is Anne Tyler. She's the uh, runs something called the Tyler Institute. And and can you tell us a little bit, let's just start without me really making an introduction, because you're new to the show, and you're new to my guests, my, excuse me, my listeners, and I'd like you to tell us what happened between you and me that brought you here in the first place. Oh, that's a long, interesting story. And I I think I need to start with who I am and how I came into this world um, because it's such a new thing. And that's a big part of our story together. Um, I'm a psychotherapist in Minnesota. I'm just a Midwesterner with a couple of kids who are now grown and 21. And um, I have not been a part of any um, world that deals with UFOs or with anomalous experiences or any of that. I mean, I've had my private practice. I homeschooled my kids for quite a while, and my practice specializes in um, gifted and talented children and adults, highly creative. And I thought that was going to be my life until I retired, my career life and my personal life. Um, until eight months ago, um, all of a sudden experiences started happening to me, and it was very surprising and shocking. Um, luckily, I had people around me that could help um, and guide me through it. I've been talking with people and going to support groups for the last eight months. Um, lots of awareness of what ET contact is and all the other anomalous experiences that can go along with that. And, you know, we just don't even know um, the categories, right? Like there's so much that happens. So I was only five months into that um, experience by the time you and I met. Um, I had had almost constant experiencing for that five months, um, lots of people around me to help with that. But I hadn't read much or watched videos. I just, I still don't know that much about this world. Um, I'm, I'm slowly coming into that, but I've kind of been trusting my own experiences and talking with those that I trust. But you and I showed up at the same place at Rice University for a conference. Yeah. And there was actually some things that happened before that, too. So in January of this year, I um, I got an audio book out of A New World of yours, and it was your voice reading it. And like I said, I haven't read much, but I got on the treadmill and I thought, you know, I should start listening to things and start learning. And... Um, I didn't get very far in the book because what happened when I started listening to your voice reading that book was all of a sudden I had visions of you and I'd never met you or seen you. I had um, visions of you coming to me talking about death. And I was talking like, oh, about, that's interesting. Say again, it, it dropped out. Yeah, we were talking about death. I only knew that death. that was the topic. Yeah, Yeah, yeah okay. And I... I don't know what we said, but we had some in-depth conversations, and um, I didn't really know what that was. But then <laughs> after that, you kind of came and visited me 
every day for conversations in my mind or wherever that is that we go. And I was just like, okay, Whitley's here again. And I just, I didn't know what to do with that because <laughs> this is again, all new to me. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just put Whitley and I in the back of my head and we can just go have our conversations, whatever that is. And so then I was watching an interview with Leslie Kane and she was talking about the um, archives of the impossible. And the moment she mentioned it, she said that um, your letters from communion, um, when you wrote that book, the letters that people wrote, you were going to be in that archive. And I immediately stopped the podcast and I looked it up because I'm like, I need to go to that archive. I, I had like um, a very strong intuitive feeling that I had to go down there and see those letters. And it's totally irrational to me, but I, I have always had a good sense of intuition. So I'm like, okay, I'll do that. So I went to the website and I noticed that they were, they were having that conference and um, a lot of people were coming that are very serious about this field and I'm more of an academician. And so that was really appealing to me to hear people talk about anomalous experiences and to take it seriously and have um, a lot of university people in addition to scientists and other people um, talking about this. So I thought, wow, I get to see the archive and hear all these people talk. And I was really excited about that. So I thought, okay, that's probably why I've been talking to Whitley in my head because I'm supposed to go down there and look at those letters in the archive. So I'm like, okay, that's over. So now I got the message. So, you know, went to the conference and I'm like, okay, maybe I'll see Whitley. He presents. He'll probably just come in for a day and present and leave. Maybe I'll get to say hi to him, but I'm here for the archive. Okay, that's good. And so the first day before the conference began, I'm like, okay, I'm getting in that archive. I want to see those letters because these are experiencers and they have written these letters many years ago in the 80s and 90s. And to me, this felt very significant that they were telling their story. And, you know, some of them may still be alive, um, but they didn't have the internet, you know, to look things up or to ask people questions. And I just wanted to see what these experiencers were talking about um, back many years ago. So I went to the archive. I had arranged to go in there the day before the conference. And um, I talked to the librarian when I came in and said, OK, I'm here to see the Whitley Strieber letters. And she just kind of waves her hand and is like, oh, Whitley has all those out. And he's sitting right here. Um, <laughs> looking I was at the waiting letters. for you, my dear. <laughs> you were waiting for me. Yeah. And it was <laughs> it was so shocking to me because I'm like, oh, I didn't expect to meet Whitley. So <laughs> now what do I do? And then I thought, well, I don't want to bother you because you were working in the letters. And I'm a Midwesterner. We don't like to bother people, especially yeah, when they're but working. That was not what this was about. So it worked fine. It wasn't at all. It wasn't at all. And I'm like, OK, so if I want to see those letters, I've got to bother Whitley because <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, he's got them all out. So, you know, I just kind of awkwardly introduced myself, had no idea what to say to you. But you were so kind and you gave me that first box of letters as you were working and I set up at the next table um, and as I pulled the letters out, you know, I just kind of look up and go, wow, you know, I'm reading the letters and I, Whitley's right in front of me. And it, I just thought that was such um, a special moment to be able to sit down with those letters for the first time with you in the room. 
And not only that, you know, when I pulled out that first letter, um, I've got it sitting right here next to me, um, the very first letter that was in the archive. And within the first paragraph, I, I got sort of hits of recognition and connection because the person who was talking <clears throat> was literally talking about experiences she had in Council Bluffs, Iowa in 1983 and 84, where I spent almost every month time at my sister's house. And it just kind of hit me, you know, how the people who have these experiences live everywhere. You know, you think nothing can happen in isolated areas. Um, but the letters were so heartfelt and so detailed, and they could have been any story that people tell today about what happened to them and how it impacted their lives. And when I got to letter number nine, I all of a sudden started noticing um, notes that were made in the margins. And, um, you know, I was already tearing up several times because it's very touching reading these letters. And I was tearing up at these notes. And I was like, I suddenly remember Jeffrey Kripal in his talk earlier had said that when he was in the letters, he saw a lot of annotations by Ann Streber. And I realized that that was probably her handwriting. It was. And so, yes. And so that's when I got up and bothering Whitley again. So I came over to you. <laughs> And that's when I asked you if that was her handwriting, because it just felt very significant to me. And you were so kind and said yes, and, you know, how much work she had done in those letters and the notes that she had taken. There was great care in what she was doing in those files. And, you know, it just, it just felt like her presence was there, too, you know, that. Yeah, it was. Um, you can be sure. Yes. And it was such a calm connection um and i feel that every time i see her handwriting and that you know she is caretaking these letters yes she is um and so then you were kind enough to ask me and the friend who was with me in the archive to lunch you're like do you want to go to lunch we're like yes you know <laughs> we would love to talk to you further um and that was really enjoyable to kind of hear what you're working on and um, to talk about what our interest is in the archives. And I was sharing with you sort of emphatically, intuitively again, that, you know, these, these letters are really important and that there's a lot of researchers who are going to be able to do a lot with these. Yes. Um, to help experiencers and to really get um, some good information out. And as a clinician, I'm really interested in what can help them heal and, and the impact on their lives. And um, so we kind of discussed how to help the letters be more accessible through digitizing and um, just brainstorming different ideas. Um, digitizing letters is so important and it's very costly. And we yes. need to get a grant to do that. Uh, I have, um, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to talk to Jeff about maybe getting a grant, finding if we can uh, get uh, his department at Rice to uh, do a grant uh, request and send it out. Maybe we can get a grant to do it because it's going to cost in the, in the mid six figures at least to do that. 
because so many of the letters are handwritten. But once that is done, then that archive can be, so much can be done once it's digitized. Among other things, there are now very sophisticated AI programs, and they are not conscious folks. Don't even go there. Uh, that's all a lot of internet hooey. Uh, but they are very, very fine indexing systems is what they are. And we can learn so much from this. Uh, right now, the main indexing system that's really at work is in here. And I'm working, writing a book about the letters, uh, uh, analyzing the letters, uh, groups of letters. And the amazing thing is that with Anne's help, I never every letter that I found when we were there in the archive was useful in the book. I didn't have to <gasps> poke through anything. I just had to pull a letter out and it was perfect for the book. And she's, I decided, well, it has to be. And so this was all going on while you were working on the other <laughs> side. And, and we had, we had been, I, I didn't really know it was you personally, but we had been, I had been aware that, she was bringing in someone that I was going to meet who had a lot of serious skills who could help the close encounter witnesses. Uh, and there are other people in this field too, but it needs many more. And you know, you're the, you're, as long as this field has existed, you're still one of the pioneers because there is so much resistance and so much social opprobrium. Now, Free Dreamlanders, we're going to do a brief break for you. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk to Anne about the experiences that drew her into this in the first place. So, Anne, uh, let's go back to your what drew you in, because this is an experience. It's looking for help at, at another level, at a soul level. And you were chosen, quite frankly, to, 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 to help us. Uh, can you tell us about the first experience that you had that began to draw you toward this? Well, it's, it's interesting because it was at the beginning of October last year in 2021. And prior to that, I had started listening to a podcast by Stuart Davis um, called Aliens and Artists. And the only reason I was listening to that is because I've known of Stuart for 25 years through other channels like uh, the Integral Movement, Buddhism, High Creativity, and really respected him. And so I thought, well, if he's doing a project like this, um, he's going to do it thoughtfully. And so I'm like, let's see what let's see what he what he's up to because um, I don't know anything about that field. And so I did listen, and um, the only things on his podcast are stories of experiencers lives and what they went through and so he's he has many hours on there and so each night i started listening to that um and i i really didn't know what people were talking about you know this is all new so i got all the way through the podcast episodes and then i realized for some reason i had trouble remembering a lot of it which was unusual for me and so i started listening again and the second time around, I started getting these somatic experiences in my body, um, you know, like these drops of fear or nervousness or strange feelings that I didn't recognize. And I, I 
didn't really understand that. Um, and then all of a sudden, when I was listening to one of the episodes with, um, I believe it was Kirsten Blackburn, um, I all of a sudden had to stop it. This was that intuitive, you must stop and do something now. And I ended up calling um, a few people. Um, they were talking about Kay Randall May, and so I called her. She's a medical intuitive. And I thought, well, you know, I'll just I'll just get um, a body reading. You know, that's that's why I'm calling it. And all of a sudden, I found myself um, arranging to go to Yvonne Smith's training. I do I do hypnotherapy, and have for you know 15 years in the healing modalities. Um, so I thought, well, I'll just go to that and learn, you know, what this stuff's about. And then all of a sudden I was, I was calling Stuart Davis to talk to him. Oh, I'll just talk to him, you know, just to, just to learn about this world. Well, I showed up with Stuart a few days later and I was like, Stuart, I have no idea why I'm here. I've never had anything strange happen to me. And, oh, but there was that one time when I was a child when there seemed to be like a, a lot of missing time. Um, and a few other weird things. Uh, but no, I haven't had anything strange happen to me. So, <laughs> you know, that's famous last words, right? You know, so I go to Yvonne Smith's training. And before it even began, I was in the hotel room. And um, I had noticed on the plane that I was already starting to, like, experience some kind of strange altered state of some kind. And time was getting really wobbly with me. And I sort of laid down to take a nap. and you know, sort of immediately, I sort of noticed that um, I woke up really soon and was paralyzed. Um, and there was this sort of energy source, energy ball um, in my solar plexus area. I didn't really have a visual. All I could do was feel it. And this energy um, ball, whatever it was, was moving around very systematically. I could feel exactly where it was. Um, wasn't painful, but then I all of a sudden got a vision of um, an alien that I wouldn't identify, although I kind of suspected it was a mantis and later realized it was. I could see it like from the chest up and there was another being that looked like a gray sort of looking around. And when this mantis came towards me, it, it sort of was uh, had like a finger pointing. And when it got close to me, um, and either the finger touched me or got close, whatever that was, the orientation of my body completely changed and I sort of lost all sense of space and time and everything. Um, and felt like I was in, I couldn't tell what position I was in and I had no body awareness. Um, and then that kind of settled down and I would get like these sharp zinging in the left side of my head. Um, that hurt, but it was really short. It had very weird um, pace to it. But that energy ball went on. I was I was laying there about two and a half hours. This went on for a really long time. And my son was coming soon to that hotel room. And I was wondering, how am I going to get up? I can't even move a finger. And at some point, all of a sudden, I felt a release. And I could move my fingers. And it took another half an hour for me to get up. And luckily, my computer was up. And I immediately went over to my computer. And I'm a writer. And so... I wrote down everything that I could remember and I had to have my eyes closed because during this whole experience, my eyes hurt really bad and everything was blurry. I couldn't see anything in the room when I opened my eyes. Um, and so I typed it all out with my eyes closed and then I'm like, how, how do people wake up? I don't even know what this is. And so the only thing I could think of was 
I think I need to take a shower. So I walked over to the bathroom and I stood in the doorway and I thought, I don't remember, I don't remember how to take a shower. Um, like, <laughs> what do I need? What are the steps? And it, it, I had to stand there a while and, and try to figure that out. Um, and luckily I, I did. <laughs> and I felt a little better. I felt like I was coming back into my body. And then my son came and was interacting with me and I felt a lot better. Um, like, okay, I don't know what that was and never, never talked about it all weekend when I met other experiencers for the first time. Um, you, you had something happen. You had something happen. Uh, you know, I had, I, I once took a walk with one of the gray people in a neighborhood in San Antonio when I lived there in the nineties, late nineties. And after the walk, I couldn't even understand the English language anymore. Uh, the radio, it was, it, the walk ended at about, uh, um, just about, just a little bit before dawn. And the radio would come on and the radio came on and it was Sunday morning. We were going to go to church and <laughs> I couldn't understand what they were saying. I thought, my God, is, is it turned to a Spanish station? But that's not Spanish. It's such a strange, choppy language. And I then I tried to take a shower and I couldn't feel my skin was completely numbed. I, and so it was like being in a tent. You know, I could hear the shower, shower and feel it sort of inside my body. Then when I got out of the shower, the radio was in English again. And I realized that wasn't the radio. It was me. I couldn't, I was so far gone with this other, into this other world. And then we tried to go to church. And this is before all of the security at airports. We ended up almost driving onto a runway at the airport while trying to get it to a church that I've been going to since I was three years old. <laughs> so I yeah. hear you about that kind of wild thing, but I want to ask you a question. Do you have any specific sense of what might have happened during whatever time, whatever took you out of this world? even though you don't have much memory of it at all. Well, in that moment, you know, I was there to, uh, you know, I wondered if it was um, them showing me memories of things that had happened to me or if it was scans, you know, adjustments. Um, I don't know if I went anywhere. I haven't done a regression on that. Um, so it's kind of a mystery. You know, I had um, a lot of my experiences come in series of three. Um, and so there were two other experiences that followed that that all seemed to do with either adjustments to my body or getting me to remember what has happened to my body. Um, and the other ones had more specific um, memories of abduction, lifelong experiencing, and um, I've been calling most of what's happened to me in the last eight months is a tour. Like, you know, it's time to remember all these different aspects of what's been happening to you your whole life. And sometimes I get more conscious memories than others. Um, I do have memories of, um, you know, encounters. Uh, that first one that I was like, nothing weird has ever happened except that one time there was missing time. Um, I do have 
conscious memories that have come back to me, I think, assisted by my friend Carol, who was with me at the time around her birthday in April, um, where we were at a park and we thought we'd been there about an hour. And by the time we got home, it was dusk. The adults were all alarmed. The police had been out looking for us and we lived in a very, very small town. And um, we talked about it for years. We couldn't understand what happened. We were kind of free range kids. I mean, no one really got upset when we were out in this tiny town in Iowa. Um, but the conscious memories are being taken on a ship and going through training. Um, that particular time was levitation. I remember the, the being that watched over us. Um, that was sort of training us, um, you know, that the children didn't really talk to each other, interact, that they were sort of there in their own world. I have very specific memories of the trees and where this craft came down. Um, and us going there, I remember it felt familiar. Um, so I guess, I guess there has been strange things that have happened to me, but it's interesting how our memories work and how um how we sort of awaken at different times it's yeah. it's really been a mystery to me well you know you, yeah you say I, uh you talk about levitating and craft and so forth and then she, i guess some strange things have happened to me yeah but i would say so and i think so yes. you know it's interesting i also have and i'm we're not alone in this uh uh Memories of levitating in connection with this experience as a child. Wonderful memories. I, and I regret not being able to do it anymore. I've tried. But it is possible. In, in A New World, I wrote about some actual stories of levitation. Uh, like Joseph of Cupertino, who used to levitate during Mass. He was very pious. And he would levitate in the church, and he would become so light that the heat from the candles would cause him to slowly drift toward the candles, and it made the bishop so so nervous that he would catch himself on fire in the candles oh. that he made him stay outside during Mass because he couldn't do the Mass <laughs> with this person floating slowly toward the candles in the air. And a detail like that tells you it really happened. Now, there are much, there's also Padre Pio, but the stories about Padre Pio are much more uncertain. Um, so it can happen. And what does it mean that it doesn't? Why are we like this? Why do we end up bound to the ground when we know from our childhood that's not even real? What do you think the lesson of levitation is and how does it figure in your life now because you are after all in another way beginning to levitate again yes i love that question because that sends me into the most meaningful part of all of this for me you know i'm a 25 year buddhist practitioner and soon after like even Gosh, it was like the second week when these experiences started. All of a sudden, I was given these tantric practices to do, more along a different lineage than what I was from. 
And I couldn't understand it. Like every day I was given very specific instructions and I didn't know where it was coming from. You know, I, I would get concerned sometimes because I did go through a lot of ontological shock to begin with because this is <laughs> this is a lot to deal with, especially when you don't think you have any trauma in your life at all. Um, and all of a sudden, all this has been hiding, you know, um, gosh. So through these these meditations that I was given, they they were always there along with the experiences. Like it was almost creating a container or a vibrational frequency for me to hold it all. And then I had weeks of um, this Kundalini energy that was just bolting through my body. It felt awesome. It was a lot. You know, you have to come down off of that sometime. But it was just the most amazing experiences because um, to me, all of this is about the development of our consciousness. And I've been told that over and over. And, you know, I keep bringing in more practices in my life to hold all of this. And this whole idea of not knowing what we're capable of, I think that's one of the biggest messages. And when you when you said that, you know, the point of levitation and the point of what we're capable of, I immediately thought of one of my experiences with Anne, your wife. Because when I was talking about some of these deep issues with my husband just ah, two or three weeks ago, all of a sudden something came over me and I knew Anne was there and this was more unusual. Um, but she, she somehow showed me, I kept saying to my husband, she's showing me who we really are. Like, it was all sensory and I, I can't explain what that is, but it was the sense of we are so much more than what we think we are. There is so much more to us that we can tap into. And it was such a powerful experience. You know, I was literally sobbing because it was so overwhelming and beautiful. And I didn't know what I was going to do with that. But it was like, this is what it's all about was kind of the message. And this is where we're all headed as humans. And we need to, you know, start realizing who we really are. And a week after that happened, I was in a support group where everyone was talking about death and their connections with those who had passed. A lot of it had been traumatic. Um, and Anne nudged me and she said, you know, share what, what I told you. And at the end of the meeting, I shared that, you know, that um, we are so strong and we don't realize it and that we can tap into this. This is what it's all about. We're all bringing each other home. We're all helping each other awaken. And it was such a powerful message. And she even had me share, you know, that those on the other side are there helping us and that, um, you know, we're all working together. Like all of this is one, one experience, right? And the most powerful ex expression of that was in the relief and the comfort that that brought others. And there was one thing that happened after that meeting, the moment I turned it off, I started seeing something manifesting. I'm sitting in the same spot right to the right of me. Something was manifesting in space and I'd never seen anything like that before. And it was white wispy mist, very, very fine um, lines of mist that would come in and out and come in and out. And then something that looked very cl uh, clear, but it was distorting what was behind it. That was also moving very, very fast. And this went on for a half an hour. And I was like, wow. I mean, first of all, that's really cool. I'd never seen anything like that before. And secondly, 
it felt so incredibly calm and silent the whole time. That That is a message for your heart and every heart that is hearing this, that inner calm, that place. Annie tells us how to reach that when she says the human species is too young to have beliefs. What we need are good questions. Because once you leave the world of beliefs and all of the angers and frustrations and demands that it makes, you find that we are all actually very much at peace. Now, speaking of being at peace, free dreamlanders, enjoy your own inner peace while you watch and listen to these commercials. Now, and you're on, you've gotten on a, a journey and it's uh, your co-named Anne Streber is on the journey with you. And I know that to be true. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to show you some pictures, folks, that will prove to you that it's true a little bit later. Because Annie Streber is, I think, the only person ever to create an avatar for herself in the physical world before she died that she could later use. And that's, of course, the white moth. Now, I want to say this. Anne is a teacher. She's not particular about, she doesn't pick and choose. If you, if she comes in your life, if you see a white moth in an unusual situation in your life, just stop and say, hi, Anne, and see what happens. Uh, you may come into contact with her because she's here and she was a lovely teacher during her life. And in her afterlife, she still is a teacher. It was a part of her essence. And she's really good at it. So uh, you can enjoy being having Anne in your life. Um, but be careful because she's, all, she, she's a good teacher. And some of the lessons, like, you know, I'm, I'm fair game for really hard lessons. I get them all the time. So they can be hard. But in any case, let's go on, Anne, down the road that you're taking us, which is such a wonderful road to be on. So I'm going to let you take it again from here. I know you have specific things that you'd very much like to say at this point. Well, <clears throat> I, I love that you, you know, tell me about Anne being a teacher because it, you know, I really see how she's teaching me. And I honestly feel like she's been there since the beginning of my awakening. Um, I would say one of my I don't know, fears or hesitation since all this began is anything that has to do with contact with spirits. I <laughs> I was really nervous about that. Um, you know, when I came back from Yvonne Smith's training, um, I had a whole bunch of marks all over my left arm and all kinds of things that had happened to it. And I went into ontological shock, realizing for the first time, oh, this is actually real. Like, this is not imagination. This is not, you know, a mental health condition. This is not things that <clears throat> is part of a belief system. Like, no, 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 this is real. And now I have to figure out what to do. And when I came home, there was so much happening in my house and around me 
with the lights going on and off. Um, all kinds of electronics for the next several months were breaking. We had to replace them. The appliances in the house, you know, just everything. And when I first came home, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, like, what has opened up like is this some portal to hell like there is what else is going to be unleashed you know because we're we're brought up with all of these movies that make spirit activity scary and it it is definitely something that can be very scary for people and things can happen that um you know none of this we we just don't understand and, we, and sometimes things can happen that are very serious and so i was worried that is something like that going to happen to me because i had heard the stories so as I was moving through sort of shock and trauma and I had lots of support to do that and thank goodness it's very important to talk about this stuff with others. Um, that was the biggest lesson I learned, you know, thinking that I have to keep everything private and I have to be the one to handle it because I'm the one who's usually helping others. I hadn't really needed help myself like this. Um, so that was a big lesson for me. But as I was moving forward, you know, there was just a lot of times where I felt like my parents were around, you know, I, I did have brief communications with them throughout my life. They died 20 years ago. And um, I was becoming acquainted with guides inside of my protection circle of these practices that I began doing. And I feel like I was gently led to understand some of the helpful spirits that are around me. You know, whether they're ancestors or guides, or I had Kali, the Hindu goddess, show up. I had no idea who that was. Um, had to look it up. And she's been a very big part of helping. But this whole idea, I was so confused as to why spirits were all of a sudden coming around when I had lots of ET experiences. And I've just been contemplating that um, this whole time. And I've continued to be gently led to see spirits as helpful. And Anne was probably the, I mean, I know she was the greatest teacher I had in that, um, to sort of see her come into my life and not be um, so afraid um, and to kind of accept that relationship. You know, I'm still like, I don't want to bother her too much, but she does drop in and she will interact and, and answer questions. And I love that you said, she, you know, she, sometimes the lessons are hard because she does expect a lot. And I love that about her um, because it's all about stepping up and doing our best and um, uh, opening up our consciousness and really pushing our will forward in terms of being open and surrendering to um, the kinds of things that can come into our life, both from people and from spirits that are that are um, in our trusted circle and also from guides that are in our trusted circle and to keep that circle tight and vetted and in protection. And then um, we sort of have that freedom of surrender that they can really guide us to manifest these abilities. But it was quite a mystery for a while. What, you know, that ETs and us after we die, um, like what is that about? Uh, there seems to be very close connections and interweaving of messages and things that we're working on um, where they come in. 
their bodies are less dense than ours. If you if you held one of the gray people in your hands in your arms, it, it would almost be like holding air. They're that they're very much less dense, and the result of this is they're not so in, so deeply embedded in time. And one of the reasons they're here is that because we are so embedded in time, we have really, really, really rich experiences. Every instant is new for us. Remember another thing that Anne said that's so important to understand this. Uh, uh, the moment is all we have. Now is life. That's not necessarily true for them. But when they are with us and interacting with us, then it is more true. And they can experience the sense of the new that is the essence of human life. We never experience anything else. And they have to really work for it. So that's what this connection is all about. And they are much more like our own dead than they are like us, the living, the physical ones. And so this, this, there's a kind of three-way thing going on here. And you mentioned uh, earlier things coming in threes. The, the aliens, the greys also come in threes. And this is a very ancient teaching. The positive, the, 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 or the active, the passive, and the harmonizing. The, the, the active is us, the physical ones. The uh, passive is the greys waiting to be interact with us and to open us, to open ourselves to them. And the facilitators are our own dead. That's how it's working. That's what Anne is about, is helping to facilitate this relationship so that when the relationship is done and it's working, the all of us are going to be vastly more than we are now. All of us. Vastly more. The greys are, our dead are, and we the living, the physical ones are too. So this is what we're here for. This is the the essence of the journey. It's what contact is about and why Anne, at the very beginning when I had no idea what I was doing, but she knew already very well what we were doing, she said to call the book Communion. That's the, the first book, Communion, which incidentally, folks, uh, and I'm a horrible publicist, it's out again in hardcover, uh, softcover, and as an audio book. And I think you... I'm not going to talk much about it, but you, you heard something from Anne Taylor, Tyler a little while ago about my voice. And it's a useful voice. Let me put it that way. And so if you listen to it, you'll find it useful. Okay. Now, let's. Let, I think it's time to sort of go on about your, your white moth experiences. You've, you've had a lot of them. And I want you to tell us how the white moth, how you first noticed the white moth, because this is important stuff. You have to notice it in order to bring her into your, into the sphere of your own journey. 
So tell us a little bit about how your relationship with Anne started. Well, that's what I find really interesting um, because, like I mentioned, I, I'm not someone who um, cultivates relationship with spirits or, you know, knows mediumship or any of that. And, you know, I felt her presence in the archive. And that, that weekend, there was a night when um, I was out with the friend who came with me to the conference. And that night, as we were saying goodbye, um, I felt Anne's presence again. You know, it was very similar to in the archive, but I didn't say anything. But the person I was with is highly psychic. And she immediately said, oh, I think Anne's here. And that was like validating to me from the outside to kind of trust what I felt. And so she just left and, and you know, said, you know, you can spend time with her and see what, see what that's going to be like. And I just sort of sat in that same quiet stillness that is so calm and spacious. And I did ask her a question. I asked her, you know, why, why did you come um, to see me? Um, and I had this, I can't say voice, um, communication inside of me that was what I call full body communication. Like I could understand some words, even though the words weren't spoken, but I felt it as emotions and in my body. And she said, because of your heart and mind. And that was another moment that just made me cry because it was like, um, you know, someone who's on the inside of you that can see you, you know, that can see who we are as humans and, and wanting to connect like that is a very touching thing. You know, you kind of feel like you're just not worthy of, of, you know, connections like that or, you know, for someone to notice. And the next morning when I woke up, um, I sat down in the same place where I was sitting when, when she said those things or delivered that message inside my body. And I looked up at the picture that was right there and it was an abstract blue, like dark blue and shades of blue, abstract um, geometric figures. But there was one white, uh, it was a perfect side view of a of what a moth would look like with the wings closed. I'm like, wow, I think that might've, <laughs> that might've been her. And so we were still at the conference. So I did tell you that story the next morning. We actually spent six hours together. I counted them up over the course of that conference. And, you know, I showed you that and you had told me, oh, yes, you know, this is how Anne visits. And I'm like, wow. And you showed me some other pictures that people had sent you and how um, this white moth is important to notice, like you mentioned. And one of the first, um, Anne told me I needed to send you an email every Sunday. So <laughs> I don't know how much you appreciate that, but I guess, Whitley, you're getting emails from me every week. They're wonderful. <laughs> and I've, I have a lot of them sitting sitting right right here and uh uh they are lovely i mean and you do it with such faith and and, and bearing you know you have a, a really good mind and a very big heart and also but there's another thing that you have and that is the you have will you have the will to to do this you will work you will work and by the way before we go another step i want to just bring up yvonne smith briefly uh, because yvonne 
is a facilitator in this from many, many years. And you can, let's see, her website, I believe, is uh, yvonnesmith.com. And uh, you can go to, yes, yvonnesmith.com and learn more about Yvonne's work because she's been out there almost alone doing this for a long time. And these uh, these facilitating groups that she does for other people in her field have been so important to us experiencers. And um, Anne is obviously benefiting it. And to learn more about Anne's work, uh, it's Tyler Institute. Is it .com or .org? .com. TylerInstitute.com. And on there, if you click on the little graphic in the middle of it, you will see uh, some information about what she does, which now includes uh, anomalous experiences. Many people have profound, extraordinary experiences they don't talk about for fear of ridicule or being pathologized. And I think that is a very important concept, Anne, because the danger is that they will be pathologized. In other words, that they'll go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist who pathologize them. I'll give you an example of what I mean in my own life. I went to a neurologist. Uh, not It had nothing to do with any of this at all. And this whole subject was never brought up. And it, 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 it was about uh, an, it, an issue with some uh, how some of the nerves in my legs were working, as I recall, which turned out to be not the problem, but my doctor wanted to diagnose anyway. And what does he do? He puts in my medical records delusional, even though he's never diagnosed me, he's never tested me in any way simply because he knew my, me by my name. So we have to be so careful about that. There are an awful lot of bad people around, and they don't think of themselves as being bad people, uh, but they are. That's a very wrong thing to do. It's extremely unprofessional to do that. Now, let me ask you this. What if someone goes on uh, your website and tylerinstitute.com seeking your support, what will happen next? How will they go about doing that? Well, there's a contact form on my website if people are interested in contacting me. Um, the way that it works, um, I'm, a, I'm a licensed therapist in the state of Minnesota, so I do therapy and coaching with people in the state. Um, what I also do is coaching services um, across the United States and internationally, and I have a lot of clients in other locations. And so um, you brought up some really important points, and this goes to the heart of who I am and what I am going to do in this world for the rest of the time that I'm alive this round. And it's really, really important for... Um, those who are clinicians, licensed professionals, doctors, and anyone who works with experiencers as practitioners to have the chance to connect with each other. I am determined to be one of those people who connects professionals and practitioners of, at all levels of whatever, however they serve experiencers to start talking and communicating with each other. 
And having, I plan to run consultation groups of professionals because this is such an important cause because we all deserve support and help. I was, I was fortunate enough to have someone help me that was very experienced and very in tune with this. And that was Stuart Davis. And the experiencer group is where I um, went to support groups. I've went to every single one of them the last eight months since this started. And it has just been so helpful for my learning curve, for processing through trauma. And everybody deserves the right to have that, to be validated. That's what people who are experienced in this anomalous field are. They're validating. They know how to walk people through and help them go from trauma to transcendence. I mean, that's what this journey is for us. And we need lots. We need thousands. We need tens of thousands of people who can help experiencers. So my goal for the rest of my life is to develop the clinical materials, the clinical manuals for people who are training, who want to do this work. I want to be able to provide that training and supervision to people and develop materials for support groups. And I want to take my messages to the mainstream of where I came from. I want to be able to take the importance of being open to treating experiencers with attunement and respect to the people who are seeing others um, without that specialized practice to make this awareness something that has to happen so that experiencers can come out of the closets, they can feel more normalized, they can have the chance to process through trauma. And I'm determined to do that. So I'm even willing to take um, uh, in your audience, if there are clinicians, practitioners, doctors, neuroscientists, anyone who is interested in connecting to some kind of network that's going to have a long-term goal of developing this field to also contact me so that they can get on the list for when I'm putting together consultation groups or just materials, um, that they can fill out that contact form too, because this is an important cause. And we need more people who are aware of this so that people don't get pathologized and it increases the consciousness of the helping field in addition to those who come to all of us for help. So I'm very grateful, you know, to be able to put that message out there because this is what I'm going to be doing. I will have my own podcast about how to help experiencers. That's all I'm going to talk about. And that is my goal from now on. Well, it's a, a terrific goal. And um, I will, in if you are in the uh, these healing sciences, and medical or otherwise, uh, do contact Anne at tylerinstitute.com. And if you're just wanting to experience her coaching, you can go there. And I believe you can't, you can't do hypnosis for people outside of the state of Minnesota, or how does that work? I mean, there's I'm a lot of different. That. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, there's a lot of different kinds of hypnosis. And so um, what I do is healing hypnosis and that heals trauma. And that can be done outside of the state of Minnesota through coaching. And that is available. At the moment, I'm not doing regression. When I do regression with anybody, it will be in the context of long-term relationships. I think it's a healthy way to um, 
do any kind of regression is in a long-term relationship and where it's very specifically integrated. Um, so that's, that's my practice right now. Okay, great. Well, now we have come to the end of the first hour of our time with, uh, with Anne. Now, in the third half hour, we're going to get into uh, Anne and her husband, who is, of course, very supportive of her work, and my Anne. And we're going to show you some wonderful pictures of the white moth in action and why we'll talk very in detail about exactly why the white moth was felt it was so important, why Man Strieber felt it was so important to emphasize this particular part of, of this end's experience. So, uh, Free Dreamlanders, as always, I do hope you subscribe. Very few of you do. My goodness, only one or two a week. And that's because we give so much free that you don't really need to. But remember that this is all dependent on support from the website. Without that support, it all goes away. So even though you don't really need to subscribe to get the gist of these shows, you do need to subscribe or you will end up, there will be no gist at all. There will be no shows. So go over to unknowncountry.com and click on the subscribe tab. Well, here we are. It's just us now, subscribers, and we're going to have a lot of fun because we're going to be talking about the white moth, which is, um, as I've said before, the only avatar I think anyone created during their lifetime in order to enable them to continue their work easily after, after uh, life, after death. And the white moth gets around. As many of you know, you've seen the white moth. The white moth has been in your own lives. And the white moth came to Anne, too. Can you tell us about your first white moth experience? Okay, so the first one is the one that I mentioned, but that was just um, in, a, in a painting. Um, and so the next one was actually um, with you. So at one of the first emails that I sent you on a Sunday, um, I, I seem to be guided when to send you the email during the day. And I sent you that email and you had the white moth sighting in your house that was on a camera. Yes. Um, if you remember that. Oh yeah. I have those, the, the, the white moth comes here all the time, usually as inflection points uh, to say that, Hey guy, this is something you need to think about. Uh, so yeah, I remember that very well. Yes. And then um, a few weeks after that, I went to New York City um, to be with some people that are in the experiencer group. And um, I was talking to one of them in their house. And my husband was with me. And I was so um, immersed in the conversation that I didn't notice what was happening. My husband actually saw it. So there was a small white moth that came down from the ceiling. And it landed on my wrist. 
And my husband thought, well, certainly she sees and feels that because it's on her skin. And then the moth just went back up to the ceiling and he said he never saw it again for the entire night, even as it was getting darker and the lamps were on. And he never told me about it. And then on that Sunday, I said, oh, I got to write a letter to Whitley. And I said, oh, I got to ask Ian, you know, what we should talk about. And he said, well, how about that white moss sighting there? I'm like, what? <laughs> what white, white moss sighting? I didn't see one. And he said, well, I didn't want to interrupt your conversation. And then, then he told me about that. And I'm like, well, go ahead and interrupt me if you see a white moth. <laughs> Tell us about Next the con time. Do you remember the conversation you were having at that moment when, when the white moth landed on your wrist, even though you didn't notice it? Oh, you know, I wish I did. It was, it was about, you know, relationships between experiencers and just sort of the meaning of this life. And, you know, that's kind of all I talk about, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and it was just another one of those deep conversations. I was so deeply into it. I just didn't see. Um, but I thought it was really interesting how Anne brought my husband in. Now, my husband is someone who's entirely supportive. He, he studies um, Christian mysticism and gets very deep into that. And uh, so that was kind of his first time where he was really into the relationship, I think, with Anne and me. <laughs> um, and you, you know, we're kind of all in this together. Um, and then it was kind of quiet for, I think, most of the month of May. You know, I didn't really see any white moths. Um, but then at the end of May was the May 29th, the big sighting when I was sitting out on our deck uh, in the cold. It was still cold in Minnesota. There wasn't bugs out or anything um, where we were having very deep conversations. And it had to do with um, me going public with my stories and the work that I want to do. I mean, today is the first time I'm telling this much of my story anywhere in public. Um, I haven't been out there yet, um, but it's time. Um, you know, for me to move and, and go over this threshold um, from my own processing to taking this work out into the world. And all of a sudden, the last, um, you know, since the end of May, um, Anne has shown up in some very major ways. So that conversation on the deck was very much about, um, you know, how to come into your own strength, talking about our deep life issues and reviews, uh, what all this means. And um, sort of solidifying purpose and determination to do this work because it's not easy. You know, this is not an easy topic to take forward. This is not easy conversations to have out in the world, especially when, you know, I come from completely different places. So in that moment, you know, it was almost as though she took it to the next level. She gave me that bolt, you know, that awareness bolt of, um, you know, she can see who I really am, who we all are. And my husband saw my face change before I even said anything and kind of knew that she was probably around. And, you know, I was sobbing and crying out of joy to be able to sense and actually feel into that. You know, it's not like someone saying, oh, you know, we're, we're strong. We're much more than we think, because that's true. It's, it's very to powerful, feel it. very powerful to when you sense a spirit and you realize that this is real. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, it, it, it is. It's like lightning bolts that are gentle and amazing and expanding and so enlightening. 
And, you know, I was just sort of sobbing into that because it was wonderful. And within moments, this white moth <laughs> comes out of nowhere in our cold Minnesota day, evening. It was dark at this point. We had a fire pit on. We had to have fire on to stay warm. And this white moth came out of nowhere and it literally landed on my husband's face, on his cheek. And um, I'm like, oh, wow. And I immediately realized that that was her and that she was validating that, yes, that was me who gave you that experience and a, you know, of of seeing into that glimpse. And, you know, my husband was totally entertained by it. You know, he's smiling in the picture. She stayed there long enough for me to get a picture. <laughs> well, yeah, a couple of pictures, actually. Now, tell yeah. us a little bit about the discussion and enjoy the pictures, folks, because they're, they're seeing the pictures. And for those of you who are on the audio podcast, uh, I will be sure and have the pictures on the, the uh, website on the Dreamland show page so you can see them too. So you can go to unknowncountry.com, click on Dreamland in this week's show, and you can see them. Now, tell us a little bit about exactly what he was doing when he was talking about you coming into your power, because that would be why Anne was so excited and, and making it a point that this would be emphasized in the show too. That really was part of it. And when my husband looked at those pictures, he's like, yep, you see, she's actually, you know, right by my mouth. You're to listen to what I'm saying, literally. Like she didn't land on his head or on his shirt. She landed right by his mouth to say, listen, he's actually telling you really important things. And, you know, the kinds of things that I was talking about with him, we've been married for um, 36 years, 37 and so we've been together our whole adult life. And we had been reviewing our life together and how much it's going to change now that I'm sort of coming out in public and shifting my mission to helping experiencers. And we had really deep conversations about um, what that means for both of us and um, what that means when you start voicing these kinds of topics in public and you know our life together has always been about our work and our mission to help other people and this is taking it to new levels knowing that it may not always be accepted and if you're in the public realm you could also get some difficult times and um, he's better at public speaking than I am and so um, you know, I expressed different concerns to him and he was really encouraging me to stay in my power and to realize that this is what I was born to do and this is why I'm here. This is exactly where I need to be and I'm not going to have any trouble with it. Everything's a learning process. It doesn't matter what happens, even if things feel like they're not going right. They're going exactly as they should for whatever you need to pay attention to and what you need to learn. And he was like, you're not to hold back. You are not to um, decide, you know, that you're being too cautious about what others may think. 
He was encouraging me to stay in my power and say exactly what I am led to say from the inside, you know, to listen carefully to my intuition and my guides, and I will never be taken in the wrong direction. And he was really encouraging me to do that. And that's kind of the moment that Anne showed up. Um, because we, we were out there talking for six hours, literally. So this is not a light conversation. We get very deep into things. And um, it was kind of that pivotal moment when she showed up that she reinforced with the vision that she gave me and the feelings and was reinforcing to listen to those messages from my husband. So it was really a, a beautiful moment that I'll never forget, just like the time at the conference when you and I had very long, intense conversations that have such an energetic, a powerful energetic component to them. And that's those moments when things expand and we become more of who we are. And it's a liberation. Like, I don't have to go out and do lots of work, although I will be doing that. We get liberated to be more of who we are through these experiences. Exactly. And this uh, Annie would is very interested in empowerment, especially the empowerment of women. And uh, and so that would be why a discussion about your empowerment would be very important to her. And also, you can see it on your husband's face, because now everyone has seen the pictures, uh, the joy and the fun of it. Is never yes. never forget this that Anne's whole work is about joy, and it always has been. Uh, the only words I've ever heard the visitors say in real ordinary language in the physical world were "have joy," and she seized on that the second she heard it, and that made <laughs> made that her mantra: "Have joy," and. If you bring, if you can truly bring joy into even the darkest parts of your life, and joy is not happiness. Like Annie used to say before she passed on, happiness is that new TV, getting that new TV you've been wanting. Joy is holding a baby. That's the difference. And, you know, if you feel that, if you've ever held a baby and seen that little creature looking up at you, uh, you know what joy is immediately. Every human being does. And we can always get back to that. And that's what, that's where you live from as far as my wife is concerned. You live from that. You always hold that somewhere inside you. And no matter what happens, and it's a, not all of it's going to be fun. This is life after all. We're here to live it. And it's hard sometimes. But that joy will never leave you anyway. It will never leave you even when you're in the most tragic possible situation. Okay. Now, you know, I think I, I was been thinking about uh, uh, something I, I thought about talking about a little bit more. And I do want to talk about it a little bit more because we just touched on it. And that was the situation where you had that uh, the 30 minutes uh, of the sort of mist that was beside you in that room where you are now. Uh, and do you give me some ideas about what you think it might have been? Because I have some ideas too, and we'll, we'll discuss this back and forth for a while. 
Well, I'm glad you have some ideas because, um, you know, I've never had anything like that happen before. Um, whenever I'm sort of uh, experiencing something new or really don't know what's going on, I always look at the context. Like that's that's what I try to do, like the context of what's happening around it before before and after. And and that's about the only <laughs> that's about the only way I've been um, uh thinking about some of the experiences to try to figure it out because you don't always know sometimes things unwind over time right but um you know the fact that i was in that support group and we were talking about death for like an hour and a half and going very deeply into it um you know our meaningful connections to death our traumatic communications you know just situations like that it was a very meaningful deep conversation and you know the fact that ann showed up to help um give some hope and connection and to open up possibilities um through the message that she gave me in that moment with my husband and then she asked me to share that in the support group to kind of help move all of us along and give us that hope and connection um I just, I, you know, and it was just the moment I got off. There wasn't even a few seconds. It was there. And so I, you know, all I know is that it felt extremely peaceful. And I enjoyed sitting there and just, it was like a communion experience. And you, you and I feel like it was a validation. It. You put your yes. hand through it. Tell us how that felt. So... Um, you know, a lot of experiences, you know, you're either in an altered state or, you know, something's going on. But I was I was very happy to be conscious and aware and alert. And so I was just very curious about it. And so um, I ran my hand through it after I watched it for a few minutes and it felt very cool and gentle, um, almost like you're feeling a very um, cool mist. Um and again, it, it was a very gentle experience. It was, to me, it felt very validating. I did kind of ask, you know, is this Anne? And I didn't really get messages back. I kind of got the really busy right now <laughs> kind of a message is how it felt. And so I just sat there and enjoyed it and was just there with, with the experience. I think that it was a, a kind of signal if you will a doorway that it wasn't meant for you to physically step through but it was meant to let you know that this is real and this is here here right here not not somewhere far off where the dead are kind of on another plane or something but that plane is right here right where we are right now all the time and you know, remember Annie said after she died. Well, the first thing she said after she was in the not in the physical anymore was she said, "It looks like you're all intentionally ignoring us." And and uh, uh, th that I think was a, a little reminder that we actually don't have to ignore them. We can we can we can let them interact with us just the way you do and you know you don't get any big signs for the most part except for this something like this this is a it's a kind of an inflection point to affirm 
that there is something here. Uh, but you interact so so comfortably with Anne because you've you've discovered the the sort of her style, her modus operandi, and you can tell when she's wanting to interact with you, and you can respond to her suggestions and and ideas very readily, which is which is what we we can all do. I think uh, you know we're all that's available to all of us and not just with Anne. There are many, many entities out there who will offer teaching. And you just, you don't have to do too much in terms of protecting yourself. Uh, you, perhaps you say, you know, I'm not interested in con men or anything, but, uh, uh, you know, I want a teacher who can, who can uh, help me strengthen my soul. Uh, this is very important. I mean, I wouldn't ask for uh, a parking place or uh, winning the lottery or something like that because you're probably going to be disappointed. But uh, if you, if you uh, ask for th something that has to do with your own in 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 intensifying and strengthening you on your own journey, inner journey, you're going to get help. Anyone will. Now, I want to ask you another question, because I know that some of my viewers are going to be looking behind you at the picture of the owl. Now, Mike Cleland, who had a, uh, a uh, show on this website for a long time, has written a couple of books about the relationship between the owl and the close encounter experience. So tell us a little bit about where that owl etching happens to come from and why it's in your life. I don't know if well, it's even relevant, but just curious. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. So um, that's actually a drawing that my daughter did when oh. she was in her last semester of high school. And it's actually a drawing made up of lightning bolts. So she didn't just draw it with her hand. It, she could only use lightning bolts. And she has done a lot, a lot of owl paintings and clay sculptures and pictures and deers and orbs <laughs> and all kinds of things and otherworldly paintings. She's a very good artist. Yeah, obviously um, she's a well, there you go. very good artist. I want to ask you if you think she might be an experiencer, if she thinks that. Um, she also has a very scientific mind and is going to be a nurse. So she is just learning to talk about these subjects in the uh -huh. other world. So um, she's very complex. She's highly intuitive and connected to nature. So I think her path will be an amazing one, but we don't know. We don't know. Well, you know, I think that we've come to a point in our conversation where we need to leave the mystery behind us. And uh, we're, we're coming to the end of our time together is what's happening, I think. I feel that. And uh, it's all very intuitive, but the the mystery is so important that, you know, my wife uh, was a great believer in the power of the mystery. And what we have here is something 
very profound that's happening in the, the human world. And that is that we're coming into contact in the physical with something that is part of our non-physical existence and probably already has been, always has been, I mean. That the 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 un the non-physical part of the human species is deeply engaged with these visitors. There like Annie used to, says to me now, she says there are no aliens. They're just you know, you live on different planets, but we don't. So, what about the dark side, the scary part? How do you respond to that? Because a lot of people will come to you with that kind of question. You know, they've had hard experiences. I've had hard experiences and had hard experiences. Not all of them were hard. It wasn't, it was also a lot of it. Yeah. It was and is very wonderful. But tell us, give us your, your take on that. I think it's sort of a good way to wind up our last 10 or so minutes together. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point because um, living in the mysteries, you know, we become more accident prone in the subtle energy realms, you know, where all of this interaction takes place. And we can have experiences that are negative, the way we feel about them or what happens or the energy that we get from those beings. I've had um, one that was sort of extremely intense and um, something that really had to be processed through and many other experiences that I had to process through the trauma. And so, you know, the most important thing I think is that through strength, we hold each other through these experiences. And there are, I consider everything that we do human technologies, whether it's therapy or coaching, spiritual practices, mediumship, um, intuitive, you know, getting to know our abilities. I think the most important thing is that we start um, acknowledging and working more in the subtle realms. This is where healing of emotions happen and creativity comes from, intuition comes from, things that we're familiar with. And those are also where we can gain strengths and help ourselves heal from this unknown element that comes into our lives, you know, that gives us trauma. We don't understand it. We may not get answers, but there's a way to increase our bandwidth to tolerate uncertainty and unknown. And we always win when we put healthy practices into our life to heal our bodies, to heal our minds and emotions to increase our consciousness through practices we do know as humans, spiritual practices and others. We can't lose. That's a win-win. And that will help us be able to handle more of this unknown that can sometimes be scary. We can be there for each other. One of the best messages I was ever given early on was, we have to live in the we. We have to live with each other and help each other. And at first I said, no way, I'm not telling anyone about what happened to me. That is just, that would be a disaster. And here I am eight months later, completely dedicated to helping all of us talk about our experiences because that's where the healing is. We can hold each other energetically and help each other with these human technologies that we have. There's always hope. And I had some pretty bad, trauma I'll admit that and I thought wow am I gonna have to live with this the rest of my life and 
I kept working with it, kept working with others. And I'm to the point now where I honestly feel that all of this that has happened to me that I've become aware of is the best thing that ever could have happened in my life. I am so thankful for it, to be aware of this, to have this expanding my consciousness, to give, being given this opportunity, and to help others do the same thing, that there can actually be that liberation on the other side, that point where we can actually say, I wouldn't change a thing. This has taught me so much. I've learned so much. And yes, it was hard. Oh my gosh, was it hard. Very hard to get through some of this stuff. And I know it's not over. I'm going to get a lot more <laughs> hard stuff, right? We always get pushed to the edge of our envelope. Oh, absolutely. But we can do this. Yo, know, Annie recently gave me a fantastically difficult task uh, that is, uh, it's the most difficult ta work task or consciousness task I've ever been given. Uh, and uh, I was quite taken aback by it and also uh, grateful or thankful because I can, I can really, my journey toward higher consciousness is going to be enhanced by by engaging in this task and um, these tasks are life tasks they're not like go out and and wash the car kind of tasks these are tasks of a different order and th this one is fairly private actually or i would tell you in more detail folks but suffice to say that it has to do with coming to terms with the deepest and most essential parts of me, my love, my physical needs, all of those things. And it is incredibly beautiful. And so I really hear you, Anne, when you say that you're thankful for all of these tasks and this work. Me too. Uh, Earth is a school, all right. And we're <laughs> in it. Folks, we're all in it, and it's, it could not be a better place to be. We will all benefit from it, never fear. Uh, and Tyler, on the journey, my goodness, what a journey. Tyler, it is, and I do. I want to say one thing to you, Whitley, and of course, when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to Anne, too. I am so thankful that the two of you showed up in my life. And I'm and I'm thankful that I was able to listen because it's not the normal way to develop relationships with no, people. Not, not at all. <laughs> and it's holding more of that mystery as to how we're connected with each other. And both you and Anne have such generosity of spirit. And you know, whatever I said to you, you're just like, oh yeah, that's how it works. And I'm like, wow, that's it's just been so validating to me to take me along my journey. Um, that this kind of communication and connection that we have been able to experience, um, yeah. that everyone has access to and can pay attention to. And so I just want to thank you, you know, for your work, for showing up to do this out in public and for being there for me and for, you know, your listeners. I just want to put that out there that I'm just so grateful. Well, thank you for your work and your uh, showing up when and where you did in the letters with the letters at that moment because that was the test passed and so here you are now and folks uh i think 
we all have a great journey to take with Anne and with both Anne's and um, she has a lot to offer us and the uh, ex uh, experiencer group does too. So it's tylerinstitute.com, fourexperiencers.com, and yvonsmith.com are three places you can go to take your own journey another step. Thank you, Anne, for being with us. Thank you. It's been an honor. You've been listening to Dreamland. Be sure to tune in again next week. Dreamland is brought to you by UnknownCountry.com and its family of subscribers. Our theme music is The O of Pleasure by Ray Lynch. Unknown Country was founded by Ann Streber. Our news editor is Matthew Frizzell. Our coordinator is Amy Safrankova. Whitley Streber is your Dreamland host. And I'm your announcer, Ted Alexander.